0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. great day it is to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We serve a living Savior, an acting God, a God who is moving. And uh, I'm so glad that we're able to come together. I believe God has a word for you today. You know, I was reading a story about a man. It was an interesting story. And um, he took his wife and he decided to take his cranky mother-in-law with him to visit the Holy Land for Easter and uh, for resurrection. And so as they went to the Holy Land to visit, unfortunately, the mother-in-law died. Yeah, she she died. So they had to talk to the undertaker, and the undertaker said, Listen, here's what I can do for you. For $150, we can bury your mother-in-law here in the Holy Land. Or for $5,000, we can send her back home. And so the man thought about it for a moment. He said, we'll send her back home. And the undertaker said, why would you pay $5,000, send her back home, when you could actually have her buried here in the Holy Land for $150? What, what an incredible thing. And the man stopped for a moment, and he told the undertaker, he said, listen, a man died here 2,000 years ago, and they buried him here but three days later, he rose again. I can't take that chance. Come on, somebody. I don't know if the story's true, but anyway, you know, welcome to Passion Life Church. And this, this time of Easter, we always focus on how the cross equals love. And, you know, some would say that the love, the, the cross is absolutely a symbol of love. And Other people would look at the cross and maybe think that it's a symbol of rejection or condemnation or that the cross is just kind of some religious relic that people, you know, have or or look at. And I think we could all agree, though, that no matter, there's no other symbol in the history of mankind as polarizing as the cross. Some people will wear it on their necks. Other people will have it. Maybe in different rooms in their houses. Yet the cross for us as the Christians, it's the centerpiece of our Christian faith. And I want to ask you a question because I asked myself this. Why the cross? You know, for Jesus to come and pay for the sins of humanity, why the cross? Why did he choose the cross? Because how many of you know, number one, he didn't have to come. How many of you are grateful that he did come for us? And he did come, but He chose to die on a cross. How how interesting. Why why a cross? Let me ask you this question. If you had the ability to choose the way that you would die, think about it for a moment. If you had the ability to choose the way, and you had the ability to choose the way you would die, how would you choose? Some of you be like, I die at Disneyland, right? How would you, how would you die? You would say, I would die the least painful way. Come on, the least painful way. But yet with Jesus, when he came to pay for our sins, he chose the most painful way. He chose the cross. This is incredible to me. Did you know he actually chose the nail? He chose the nails. He chose to be scourged. Now, let's not make any mistake. They did not take advantage of Jesus. The Bible said he actually laid his life down for you and me. He laid his life down. But there's another question I asked as we're here on Easter Sunday. Why three days? Why bury Jesus on Friday and then not just resurrect on Sunday? And that's what I've entitled today's message. I've entitled today's message, Three Days to Resurrection. Would you say my title with me? Say three days days. to resurrection. Why three days? Why not just die on Friday and then resurrect on Sunday? Why the gap? Why not just pay for our sins and then just get up? Well, I think that there's more that God wants us to understand. And I think you and I, if we were truthful, we'd admit something about life. Life is a journey. How many of you are on a journey? How many of you know life is a journey? how many of you know life is a process, right? How many of you would even say, I'm still in process because I'm, I'm still in process. I'm going to tell you, even as a pastor of the church, I'm still in process. And see, God knows that. God knows that life's a journey. God knows that we are the result right now of a lot of the decisions that we make. We didn't get to the place that we are right now overnight, right? It's a process of decision-making. It's, it's a journey, and God knows that. So here's what he did when he came. He put and clothed himself with flesh so he could walk a journey just like you would walk a journey. That he would actually, the Bible says, that he would sympathize with humanity. I love what Hebrews 4.15 says. It says, for we do not have a high priest, that is Jesus, who cannot sympathize. Would you say that with me? Say sympathize. With our weaknesses, but in all points he was tempted as we are without sin. So he went through everything that he went through, clothed in flesh, so he could be affected by the things that would affect you, that would affect me. But here's the thing, but he would win over them. He would win over them. And so I love what Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says. It says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace. Anybody thankful for God's wonderful grace? But even greater is God's wonderful grace. Watch this and his gift of righteousness. Today, I'm beginning a series with you because this whole month we're going to be focusing on the cross equals love. Next week, I'm going to be talking about being established in righteousness because this righteousness is a gift from God's amazing grace. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all, for all. You know what? I looked up that word in the Greek. You know what it means? It means all all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through one man. So one man screwed up, his name was Adam, and he messed up in the garden. And because of him and his mess up and his mistake, Every human was born in sin. But how many of you know God didn't just leave us with one Adam? The Bible talks about Jesus being the last Adam or the second Adam. And so when the first Adam, he messed up in a garden, Jesus started to pray in a garden when he came. And he, what the first Adam couldn't do in the first garden, the second Adam could do in the second garden, in the garden of Gethsemane. I know it's nine o'clock, but I'm already ready. I got some resurrection life in me. How about you? I don't know if you know it, but the coffee's free outside. You can have some as much as you want. And he lived and he lived triumphantly. And so just like the Easter story, there's a gap between Friday and Sunday. And I think that's indicative of our lives. There's a gap right now in your life. What is it? It's the gap between who you are and who God wants you to be because you're in process. Everybody say process. And so for God, he was very strategic in the resurrection process. It was necessary for him. Listen, and for our lives in our relationship with him, that you would walk away today and say, God understands the process. Why? Because Jesus came and went through it and he succeeded. And he triumphed. He was triumphant and he won. Are you glad you came to church today? So I believe that when we talk about resurrection, I didn't want to just come together today and and celebrate. And I'll tell you what, our worship team did a phenomenal job. Didn't they do a great job of just celebrating? But I think God's desire for you and me, and I really want you to hear this, it's not that we just come together and we say, whew, that was good. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for we celebrate. What a celebration. No, he wants us actually to experience a resurrection in our lives not just a celebration, but for you to experience. And that's that's been our prayer today. And so the apostle Peter, he talks about this process when he writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, he says this, this is the kind of life that you've been invited to, the kind of life that Jesus lived. In other words, let me say it this way, the kind of life that Jesus modeled when he came to this earth with all the temptation, Jesus is inviting us to this life. It's an amazing life. It's why he came. He suffered everything that came his way. So in other words, he went through the Friday. He went through Saturday. He went through the Sunday. So you would know that it can be done and also know how to do it step by step. So we look at Jesus, the Bible says, he's the author and the finisher of our faith, but he's also our example. He modeled it and he won. And here's what's great. He doesn't just step back and say, hey, I did it. How cool. No, he invites you and I to walk with him in this life. Why? So we can win too. So it's important that God would let us know that even in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there was a process That there was a Friday, there was a Saturday, and there was a Sunday. And that's what I want to do today. I just want to look at the significance of each day. Because I think if it's significant to God, it should be significant to us. And here's how it all started. It started on Friday. Everybody say Friday. Friday. Now, we call it Good Friday, but it wasn't good for him. It was good for us. His worst day became our best day. And here's how it started. I want to say this. I want to say first that Friday represents the day of pain. It's the crucifixion. But here's how it started. It started by a betrayal. It started by his closest friend, somebody who he spent time with for three years to betray him. So let me say it this way. The first pain that Jesus started to experience was an emotional pain. I know we don't talk about it a lot, but betrayal is harsh. Let me say it this way. The Bible says he was rejected. I don't know if you've ever experienced rejection. But the Bible says he was rejected. Isaiah 53.3 says he was despised and rejected by man. Think about it. The very people he came to save rejected him. He was rejected by man. A man, watch this, full of sorrows, hear this word, acquainted with griefs. So not only does he come as the high priest to sympathize, he also, Isaiah now says, he comes to be acquainted with your grief. I don't know about you, but I've had some very moments filled with grief in my life. And yet in those moments, Jesus can say, I've been there and I'm here with you in this process. Because he says, he's a man acquainted with grief. You know, I was reading a study about rejection. And they were doing a, they they were looking at the pain of rejection. And one of the studies concluded that the pain of emotional rejection is just as, or if more, like the pain of physical pain. And Jesus suffered rejection. The Bible uses this word, he was wounded. Isaiah 53, 4 says this, surely he hath borne our griefs. Everybody say griefs. And he had carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, smitten of God, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So listen, Friday was about Jesus bearing our grief. Now, I want to tell you, that word grief, I wish they would have translated it different because in the Hebrew, the word grief actually means diseases. It means weaknesses and sicknesses. It means the area of our lives that we are dis-ease in. He bore our griefs. He was wounded for a purpose. And you know what? His pain had a purpose. It's interesting to me as I study this how strategic God was with the pain that he suffered. You know, there wasn't a place that he bled from that didn't have meaning. It's interesting to me that the first place that Jesus bled from was his head. His head. I was really taken back when I realized the first drop of blood that Jesus spilled was in a garden. But then it made sense to me because that's where the first Adam messed up. So the first drop of blood came into a garden, but Jesus bled from his head. Let me say it this way. He bled from his head so we and he could redeem us from our thought life. He bled from his head so you and I could have peace in our mind. I love what Isaiah 53 says. It says that the chastisement of our peace, that means the chastisement means the correctness, the correctness. You and I could not have correct peace with God until Jesus did what he did. Now in my mind, I can have peace with God. And I know that I'm good with God, not because of my works, but because of what Jesus did. But Not only did he bleed in the garden, but the Bible says that they put a crown of thorns on his head. See, so many people in their mind, they have thoughts and they have anxiety in their mind. And Jesus was strategic about this because in the journey of life, he knew that anxiety would come, problems would come, and it would affect your mind because that's where the battle is. But he bled from his mind to redeem you of your thoughts. And then he chose nails to be put in his hands. He chose the nails. Why? because Jesus wanted to redeem the work of your hands. Jesus wanted to redeem the things that you've done, maybe the things that you haven't or shouldn't have done with your hands. And then he chose nails to be put in his feet. Why? That redeems the places that you've been. But listen, let me say it this way. It also redeems the paths that you've been on that you shouldn't have been on. And he redeems that. And then the Bible says that he took his stripes. He was scourged on his back. So many people have back issues. And when you have back issues, it radiates to your leg. Come on, somebody, even into your little toe. It's just like, oh, my little toe's hurting. It's because of my back. And yet he was scourged, bled from his back. So you could be healed. The Bible says by his stripes, we are healed. And then he bled from his side. They took a staff. They took a spear and they shoved it through his side. That means that God wants to help and heal your relationships. Do you know that in the garden when Adam, Bible says he could not find a helper suitable for himself that God made Eve, but Eve, (laughs) I want to talk to God about this when I get to heaven, but I'm just going to be honest with you. God made man from dirt. That's why little boys, they roll in the dirt and you're like, why do they do that? That God made us from dirt. But the woman, come on, where are the ladies today in the house, ladies? Oh, that was weak. You sound like Charger friends. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, come on, ladies, where are you at? Men from dirt, but women from the side of man. Come on, you little riblets. He took it from the rib. He took it right from the, he took you and made you beautiful from the rib, right? The side, and yet Jesus bled from the side because he knew that you and I would have problems with each other. And we would be broken, even brokenhearted. That's why when the spear pierced his side, they pierced his heart. Do you know Jesus literally died of a broken heart for humanity? because he knew that you and I would need healing. And then the Bible says he was bruised. Bruising is bleeding that happens under the skin. Let me say it this way, it's everything that happens underneath the surface of our life. Cancer, diabetes, you can name all of it. But my church family, listen, it was so important that God experienced, that Jesus experienced every single part of this. Now, as we talk about the cross, you can actually see this. He did all of this because he loved you and I. Can I hear a good amen today? But I just want to, I just want to emphasize this about the cross because we don't really talk about it a lot. The cross wasn't just to forgive us of our sins. Listen, I don't want to minimize that. We're going to talk about that here in a moment, but the cross just wasn't about the forgiveness of sins. The cross, the Friday, shows us that the love that was shown on the cross was to bring healing for the sickness that would have in the world that we would have in the world so not only did he die for our sins he died for our sickness all of them how do you know I love what Psalms 103 verse four says for he forgives some of our sins what does it say he forgives what he forgives okay so he forgives all of our sins but then he only heals some of our diseases. What does it say? It heals all of our diseases. He redeems me from the death and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. A sinful humanity that when we come to him and repent of our sin, it's so amazing. The Bible says, what do we get for our sin? We get God's grace, and he crowns us with loving mercies. Can we give him a great round of applause today? His worst day for your best day. And then Jesus on the cross, he said it was was finished. That means there's nothing more for you and I to do except to receive what he's done for us, to receive that. And then he died. See, Friday, we learned that there's no pain that God's purposes cannot redeem. You know, this week, as I prayed for the service, the word pain just continually was highlighted in my prayer life. See, because some of you today, you came to Easter service. You look good. Some of you even smell good. Come on, somebody. But inside, there's pain. There's real pain. And I want you to know that you're in the Friday of life. But you don't have to stay there. Because Sunday's coming. I said Sunday's coming. I can't imagine what the disciples went through. They followed Jesus for three years of their life. And then their best friend, they see him. He's dead. He dies. They wake up the next morning and their hero is gone. I wonder what that felt like. Jesus had died. See, I think all of us can have a Friday in our life. But the disciples went into Saturday. And maybe you are in the Saturday of your life. See, Saturday is the day of confusion. It's the day of confusion. The disciples weren't sitting around going tomorrow's resurrection. He's coming back tomorrow, I can't wait, he's coming. No, to be honest, they all forgot what he said, even though he told them many times. And can I just be, just be honest with you? Oftentimes we get into this confusion in life and it's because we forget what Jesus had said. They forgot what he said. And so they were confused about what had happened. And so many of them actually went back to their old life. And this is what happens when you forget what Jesus says. This is what happens when you don't have a vision of the future. Many people who don't have a vision of the future go back to their past. And so they went back fishing. They were disoriented. It was a day of confusion. Now here's the word (laughs) for Saturday. It's the word wait. See, I made you wait. You didn't like that. Some of you already it. They had to wait. They were waiting. Waiting for things to change. If Friday was the day for wounding, then Saturday was the day of waiting. They were waiting. They didn't know what was going to happen. And because Friday is, is confusing, here's what happens. Many people get stuck and they start to doubt. Now, can I just be honest with you? I think you would say, Amen to this. When we start to doubt, the truth be known, our doubt has not helped us at all. Many of us are stuck because we went from faith to doubt. This is what is happening in the disciples' life. And they couldn't see what Jesus was doing. The reality of it was the Bible tells us that Jesus had died and that he went to hell and he went to the grave. Can I just tell you something about Saturday? Just because you don't see that Jesus is moving doesn't mean that he's not warring for you. See, the reality of it is that he was fighting the grave. He was fighting the enemy, and he was going to become victorious. But what the disciples didn't see is that we have, just because that God, Jesus was silent, doesn't mean that we have a silent uh, a, a, a Savior who is not saving us, even though he is silent. It's just we can't see what he's doing at the moment. And the truth was is that he was going to war for the disciples, but they were confused. And can I just tell you this today? He's doing the same for you. See, I don't believe it's a coincidence today that you came to Easter at Pastor Life's Life Church and God is working. How do you know that he's working? Well, I'll tell you this, we've been praying all week for you to show up and you showed up. Amen. So he's been working behind the scenes for what you couldn't see. And yet, He was getting the victory for us. He was buying and he was warring to purchase the victory for you and I. I say this because I don't want you to waste your weight. See, sometimes we're waiting on God. But can I just tell you why you're waiting? God is working. Let me say that again. Why you are waiting? God is working. How do I know? Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says this. Jesus says, I am the living one. I died but look, I am alive forever and ever. And now I hold the keys to death and the grave. Anybody excited about that? So even though they couldn't see him, the Savior was saving them. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is alive and he won the victory. But hear me, it's so important in your time of confusion, because they come sometimes where we just want to ask why, that you draw close to God and not walk away from God. You know, one of the psalmists, not David, but one of the psalmists, his name was Asaph, he wrote this in Psalm 73. 3 verse 16, because he was upset. He was looking around like a lot of people are today. How the evil, look at the evil, Pastor Phil. There's so much evil in the world. I know there's a lot of evil in the world, but we have a God who overcame evil and the devil is defeated. And I want to remind you that today. But this psalmist was getting really upset. He was He's like, it looks like evil is winning. He was confused. Psalm 73 verse 16 it says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. In other words, in his trying to understand it, he got more depressed. But then verse 17, he says, until I entered the sanctuary of God, and I understood. In other words, listen, even in his confusion, he made the right decision to draw close to God. So you may not know everything and how, but if you can make a decision in the confusion to draw close to God, I want to tell you today, there's no confusion that his presence can't calm. Amen. Amen. So here's the reality. If you're in the Friday of life, there's no pain that God's purpose cannot redeem. But if you're in the Saturday of life, there's no confusion that his presence cannot calm. And I'm going to be honest with you as a pastor for 35 years. I don't understand why when people go through stuff, they go away from God's house. Listen, when you go through things and things happen in your life, you need to run to the house of God. You need to run to the people of God, not run away, but run to the one who is victorious, your God, who understands the journey and understands. Stands the process and understands that there will be days when you will feel confused. But you know what he says to us? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You might be confused, but my president, my presence will calm you if you'll run to me. I'm going to say something because I, I just, I'm too real to be fake. A lot of you are clapping, but you won't do it when the time comes. I'm not moved by a good clap. I hope that clap moves you closer to Jesus, to be honest with you. Cause I have, I've seen so many people, they're on the front row and they're saying amen. And then a year from now, you never hear from them because you know what? They ran from God instead of running to God. Be the people. I love amens and I love the applause to God. I think it's so important, but let our life be more than an applause. May we run to him. And I don't know what you're facing today, but it's always what we're facing that we think is the exception of what God can do. We always think that it's the exception. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but I know who he is. And I want to tell you, one of the tactics of the enemy is to make you think you're the only one in the whole wide world that's going through it. Can I just tell you, the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. And if you went through it, he's already gone through it. Because we have a God who sympathizes. Come on, somebody. And he's acquainted with our grief. Are you glad you came today? I want to tell you this quick story. I think sometimes people think because I'm a pastor that I preach this and I never go through anything, right? That somehow my pants magically come on in the morning because the Holy Spirit loves me so much. But actually... I have to, sometimes it's a struggle to even stand behind here because there's so many things coming against me. I have to be, make sure that I'm living what I'm preaching. And so my wife and I, we had gotten married and been married for about a year. And then my wife had gotten pregnant. And so she was probably about eight months in her pregnancy. And for some reason, she didn't feel too well. And I had a wedding that day. I was to officiate a wedding. And I remember she said, well, I'm just going to go to the hospital. I may be a little bit dehydrated whatnot. So she went to the hospital. And I'm getting ready for the wedding. We had gone to eat. And I'm on my way to the wedding. And um, I got a call right before we were supposed to go to the ceremony. And um, my wife said, this doesn't look good. They're saying that they're going to have to induce labor like right now. And something happened. Even doctors don't even know what this is. It's called the help syndrome. It's when your liver starts to just eat platelets, started eating up platelets. And so she was, uh, their platelets are what help you heal when you're bleeding. And so they said, we need you to have, the doctors told her, we need you to have the child um, naturally so we don't do a C-section because if we cut you right now or open things up that you could bleed to death. So I'm on the phone getting ready to do (laughs) a wedding. How many know you know, this is like, this couple's like the best day of their life. And so how many of you know that was the shortest wedding ceremony I've ever done in my life? And so I ran to the, the hospital afterwards. I was still in my suit, and they said, uh, we can't induce labor. It's not happening. It's not working. We're going to have to do a C-section. So they did the C-section, and because the platelets were being eaten by her liver, you come into this moment where it's supposed to be one of the happiest moments of your life. Your child is going to be born. And then they're telling you, we don't know what's going to happen to your wife. We don't know what's going to happen to your son. And they don't let you go in there. How many know some days can be confusing? So they did it. And I'm just waiting there. All of a sudden, I see like this, this cart come out. And this child was there but he was blue and he had like a beanie on and I honestly didn't know if he was mine. Nobody said it. And they, I said, is this, this my child? And they said, yes, this is your child. Like, he looks like a Smurf. He's blue. We just gave birth to a Smurf, a ghetto one too, because he had a beanie on and everything. And he came out. I was so grateful. I said, where's my wife? And they said, we're working on her. She came out and they told us that she needs platelets She used so many platelets that in the city of El Paso where we grew up, she had used all the platelets that the city had. They said, this is the last bag in the whole city. And she has to clot because if she doesn't clot, I think you can understand what would happen. So here I am, a new father, and my Smurf over there screaming. And my wife finally comes out. And they said, everything is going to be very, very delicate right now. And you just need to know for the next six months, she could have a stroke and she could die because her blood pressure is just astronomically high. And in those moments, you're feeling pain, you're in the Friday, and you're in the Saturday of life. And I want to tell you, you have to rely on what Jesus said, that by his stripes, she is healed. And there were times that when we took our baby home, that she was weak, we had to go back to, it was a six- weak process of just not knowing if she's going to live or what's going to happen. I want to tell you, my church family, there's not a confusion that his presence can't calm. And those times I ran to God and I thank God because my wife is alive today and she's back in the kids area. My 12 year old son, he went from Smurf to human. Come on somebody. And so he's 12 years old and I want to tell you that God is faithful But in those moments, you have to run to him. But let me say it this way. You may be in the Friday of life, the Saturday of life, but Sunday's coming. See, Sunday is the day of resurrection. And here's what I want to tell you as we bring this to a close. How many of you believe a preacher when he says he's closing the message? Anybody? Here's what I want you to know. Sunday's available to each and every one of us. See, if Friday was the day of wounding and Saturday's the way of waiting and warring, then Sunday's the day of winning. And I truly believe today with all my heart, there are some of you that are just one sunrise away from your whole life turning around. And I think this is so important today as we celebrate the resurrection But again, I want you to experience Jesus made a claim that no one else has ever claimed, and it actually came true. Jesus didn't just say or just didn't offer resurrection, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't just offer us today the Sunday. He doesn't just offer us today the resurrection. He says, my very presence, I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. 25. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Watch this. He who believes, say believes, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. See, for a Christian, when you receive Jesus, death has no sting. He says, if you believe in me, you will live even though he dies. And everyone. Come on, say that with me. Say everyone. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And here's how we end today. He says, do you believe it? Not your wife, not your grandmother, not your mom who's been praying for you, not the church who's been praying, but you, do you believe this? So, you know, oftentimes, when I talk about healing, when we talk about this, the first thing that comes to people's minds is well, why didn't it happen for Aunt Betty? Why didn't it happen to Uncle Carl? Because Jesus said one thing, and he said it a lot of times. He said, be it according to your faith. Not my faith, your faith. And everything that he did this is what I love about it. We don't have to stay in the Friday of life, in the Saturday of life. We can step into Sunday. But here is the decision we have to make. It's available to everyone who believes. Here's what I love about it. Listen, everyone, excuse me, I just burped, excuse me. Everyone can believe. Everyone can make a decision today to say, that I want. I want to be forgiven of all of my sins. I believe it. I want to be healed of every disease. I want it. I believe it. Because you and I today are not saved by our works. We are saved today by God's amazing grace. But we have to respond to that. You know what that is? That is response is believing and taking it and say, that's for me. I'm not going to stay in the Friday. I'm not going to stay in the pain. I'm not going to stay in the confusion. I'm going to step into Sunday. I'm going to step into victory. But it's going to be by believing and having faith. See, I think Sunday tells us that there is no death that his power can't resurrect. And it's available to you, and it's available to me. Can I hear a good amen today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.